Hiranyam Rajatam Shayam Vasam Shajita Kambalan Yanam Ratan Nibanhanya Dharam Vritti Karim Mapi Hiranyam Gold Rajatam Gold Coins Shayam Bedding Vasamsi Clothing Ajina Animal skin for seats Kambalan Blankets Yanam Horses Ratan Chariots Ivan Elephants Kanya Girls Dharam Land Vrittikarim to provide livelihood. Api also. Translation The Brahmins were not only given well fed cows in charity, but also gold, gold coins, bedding, clothing, animal skin, seats, blankets, horses, elephants, girls, and sufficient land for maintenance. Please repeat. The Brahmins were not only given, given well fed cows in charity, charity, but also gold, but also gold coins, coins bedding, clothing, bedding, clothing, animal skin seats, animal skin seats blankets, horses, blankets, horses, elephants, girls, elephants, girls and sufficient land for maintenance. All these charities were meant for the Brahmins, whose lives were devoted entirely to the welfare of society, both spiritually and materially. The Brahmins were not giving their services its paid servants, but the society provided them with all necessities. It was arranged for some of the Brahmins who were in difficulty for marriage to be given girls. The Brahmins therefore had no economic problems. The Chatriya kings and rich mercantile men would provide them with all that they needed and in exchange the Brahmins were completely devoted to the elevation of society. That was the way of social cooperation between the different castes. When the Brahmin class or caste gradually became easygoing and being fed by the society, although they had no meaningful qualification, they degraded themselves into Brahmabandhus or disqualified Brahmins, and thus other members of society also gradually fell down from the social standard of progressive life. As described in Bhagavad Gita, the caste system is the creation of the Lord and is arranged according to the quality of work rendered to society and not in terms of birthright as falsely claimed in the present degraded society. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Anjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jnana Tasmaya Shri Guru Venamaha 
त्याग शिक्षित चैतन्य प्रभु चरण शिरवित गिरारहार शिवाश अरिगाउरु वक्त वृद्धि हरे कृष्ण हरे कृष्ण 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 हरे हरे हिरान्यम रजतम श्रायम उसाम सुजीनक कंबलान न्यानम रतान अभ्यान कन्यांतराम अवृत्ति करिमपी Prabhupada here was talking about the uh, degradation of the caste system and speaking about the Varnas, uh, not of the ashramas. Krishna says, Chatur Varyam system. This is my Shristi, this is my arrangement. Uh, and of course, there are also the four ashramas. So in that we have Brahmas, Chatriya, Vaishya, and Brahmacharya, Grihastavana, Prasta, and Sanyas. Uh, the divisions of society so that Guna Karma, according to their nature, people were situated uh, appropriately. Um, and nature is something that is generally visible uh, even in childhood but certainly becomes determined uh, by youth uh, just like in our present society education is general for children and then when they hit a certain age then you have to specialize so by then someone should really know what they should be doing but Vedic system is not necessarily what it is that they want to do or what generally their parents oblige them to do, uh, but what actually their nature is. And if they are properly trained uh, in youth, then their nature is what they will want to do. Uh, it will, the two things will, will coincide. Um, and the motivation is not money or economic development uh, because the development of society is not solely uh, based on economic development but rather it's based upon the principle of samshiri haritoshana how is it that we're pleasing the supreme personality of godhead uh, this is the purpose of the Varnashram system. Um, the Brahmins, but not only the Brahmins, the Brahmacharis uh, and Vanaprastas and Sannyasis. So Srila Prabhupada points out that um, <coughs> this was in a, in a lecture. He said that society is divided into these. So Prabhupada gives a hypothetical division. He says that, say, 25% of each of the four divisions makes up the, uh, in terms of population, uh, numerical division of society. He says then the Grihastas, 25%, it is their duty to maintain the Brahmacharis, Vanaprastras, and Sannyasis. And, of course, there's a further division because not all Grihastas are then working here. There's also the Brahminical class. 
So it's a quite interesting uh, economic structure uh, that you have a minority who maintain a majority. And uh, the maintenance uh, is done not through wages or salary, but it's done through donation. So it's voluntary. And But you can see here all these things that they're giving away. Gold, gold coins, bedding, clothing, animal skin, seats, blankets. So many things. Uh, so it's not that they're giving some meager amount, but there's the understanding that the more you give, the more you get. Of course, you have to have faith in that understanding that it works like that. The more that you give, and the more, more that you get. Uh, as we were talking yesterday, this is the system. And then the system is that you just hoard and keep to yourself. Then, as was the case during Prithu Maharaja's time, then the earth planet and the material nature just restricts, restricts, restricts until there's less and less and less. So ultimately, there's only a few people who have wealth and everyone else lives in poverty. Uh, why? Because it's, it's not the structure, it's not the natural way of things. Um, uh, you just, uh, in, in English, they have that saying: "You can't have uh, the uh, you can't have the egg without the chicken." So you have to feed the chicken in order to get an egg. You can't just want eggs and well, I'll just skimp. And why should I bother? Or for better example is a cow. Why should I feed a cow? It costs money to feed a cow. I'll just take the milk. But if you don't give them the you don't feed them, then you won't get milk. So same thing. Uh, society is designed, or at least Krishna's structure of society is such uh, that uh, one should be able to get the necessities of life relatively easy. But you have to give. Everyone has to give. So the Brahmin's business is determined to give knowledge. And so Srila Prabhupada would give these three activities of Brahmins, or they each have two phases, dhana, dhana, yajna, yajna, dhana, pratigraha. So that Brahmins study. You can't teach unless you study. And their business for studying is their, their spiritual elevation. The more that they study scripture, the more that they practice uh, austerities, the more learned they become, the more they understand Brahma, Janati, Brahmana. That a Brahman's business is to understand what is the absolute truth, and ultimately Brahman means Brahman means Krishna. He's the Supreme Brahman, Param Brahman. Param Brahman, Param Dhamma. And but not only are they meant to just keep it to themselves, because then what good is that doing society? No, they're meant to educate. So education means uh, that they teach, and, and they teach others, and that's how in every village there would be gurukula or gurukulas, depending on the size of the village. And the Brahmins would then teach the children whatever it was that they knew. So there are different types of 
Brahmins. Uh, they're, they're known by their last name. Uh, for instance, even now you have Dvivedi or Trivedi or Chovedi. Chovedi means Chaturvedi. So Brahmins that are learned in one of the Vedas or some Anga of the Vedas or Dvivedi means that they're learned in two Vedas. Trivedi means three Vedas. Chovedi means they know all the Vedas. And then there's so many other divisions. You can know the qualification of a Brahmin by his name. That's what the last name was meant for. So you know he's qualified uh, in this. Um, and the Brahmins would then teach. Uh, and what would they teach? Uh, they may teach many things, but ultimately everything was in the context of elevating society. Uh, so that society would always stay on track of this principle of samsidi haritoshana. Uh, somehow or another, our lives have to be structured in a way that everything that we do, samsidi haritosh. Hari means Krishna and toshana means to please. So by all means, we need to be pleasing Krishna. Uh, samsidi haritoshana. They perform sacrifices. They perform sacrifices to purify themselves. Uh, Brahmins, whenever we reach Srimad Bhagavatam, they get up, and then the first thing they do is they light the sacrificial fire. Or actually, the sacrificial fire is going, but they put, you know, usually they don't let sacrificial fires go out. Uh, they would just, even they went down to the stage of embers, but, but the embers would continue to glow, so the next day they would just put the wood on and it would continue like that. In Radharaman Temple, you know Vrindavan, if you've been to Vrindavan, in Radharaman Temple, they still cook with the same fire that Radharaman was installed with 500 years ago, 450 years ago. So that fire never goes out. They always keep that same fire going. Fire that was lit by Gopal Bhatta Goswami. So they, they use that same fire for cooking. So they perform sacrifice because, as we're saying, yagya shishtantina shanto. So everyone has to perform sacrifice. But not just for themselves, then they perform sacrifice for others. So Chapriyas, Vaishya, Sudras, they can't perform sacrifice. Or in other words, they can't themselves go through the activities of sacrifice because sacrifices are the prerogative of Brahmins. Brahmins are the ones who are meant to conduct the sacrifice, the act, act, activities. But everyone has to perform sacrifice, yagya. So that means that they employ Brahmins to perform sacrifice for them. And of course, if sacrifices are well performed, then the demigods would appear in those sacrifices. And if the sacrifices were performed by Vaishnava Brahmins, then the Supreme Lord. So then people would see, just like in Prithu Maharaj's, and Lord Vishnu appeared, and we read in Bhagavatam how other uh, kings had sacrifices uh, performed. And even though they were very exalted, even either whether it was the Pandavas or others, they never performed sacrifice on their own, but rather they engaged Brahmins to do that. Dhyana Pratigraha. And then they beg, and they also distribute charity. They collect charity and distribute charity. 
And here Srila points out, he uses the word that the Brahmins became easygoing. Um, Srila Prabhupada says that often Brahmins would keep themselves in a state of poverty. They may receive great amounts of wealth, but they would immediately distribute it. They, they wouldn't keep it. Uh, why? Because especially in this age, wherever there's wealth, there's Kali. So he'll contaminate, he'll pollute your mind. If you collect money, if you collect wealth, uh, then one can very easily become uh, contaminated. So this is what is taking place in Kali Yuga, is that the Brahmins didn't just pass on what it was that they collected, but they kept it, they hoarded it, and they started to become very, very wealthy, very opulent. So you'll, well, you see different things in India. You see rickshaw wallas, you get on a rickshaw, and he pulls out his Brahmin thread and says, I'm a Brahmin. So what are you doing driving a rickshaw if you're a Brahmin? Or you see other very wealthy people who will then say, oh yes, I'm also in a Brahmin family. And then the risk then becomes is that one hoards, you don't keep wealth for no reason, then you end up being an enjoyer. And if you end up being an enjoyer, then that runs counter the principle of spiritual life, because spiritual life means austerity, simplicity, rather than sense gratification and enjoyment. So he said, because they became easygoing, they became Brahmabandhus. Then they no longer studied, and they no longer performed sacrifice, or when they performed sacrifice, just to collect more money. Uh, and in, in this way, Brahminical culture went, and then when Brahminical culture went down, then obviously the Chatriyas and Vaishyas, they're no longer inclined to give in charity. Why should I give them in charity? All he's doing is just enjoying life. So they stop giving, and when they stop giving, so then the whole chakra, the whole system breaks down. And neither the chakras, Vaishyas, and so on, neither can they prosper, because Shudras, they're not meant to give. They may, maybe they give, uh, but generally they don't possess anything. Uh, they only given, they're only given in kind. They're not paid, they don't get it, they're just maintained. And uh, and so the degradation of what is now has a very bad name, this caste system. Because in India it's really exploited, India is a land of extremes. Prabhupada says, when Indians are good, they're very, very good. And when they're bad, they're very, very bad. <laughs> so they, they go in all ways. Um, and so Brahmabandhu, just like Chhatrabandhu, uh, this name is used, it's sort of a derogatory term, uh, someone like Ashwatthama. Ashwatthama is referred to in Bhagavatam as a Brahmabandhu. Why? Um, because he, he really abandoned uh, the practice of a uh, Brahmana, he would not stick by the real principles of truth. He took up the employment of a Chatriya. Of course, his father did that as well. Dronacharya also did that. And, 
And he was really the person who uh, he performed possibly the most irreligious activity of all at the uh, Kurukshetra, which was after the war, once the war was war was already over. So maybe you know that story that the battle was over, and Duryodhan was at this bottom of a lake, sort of trying to recover his energy or strength. And uh, all the Kurus had perished. There was about 20,000 members of, uh, from the Pandava side left. And they were going around looking for, Pandavas were going around looking for Duryodhan, because Duryodhan was still the king. So either he dies uh, or he accepts Yudhisthira's sovereignty. And, uh, and they couldn't find him. But anyway, they went back to camp. And when they went back to camp, then the, the anyway it was over. The battle was over, and the Pandavas had won. If you can say that, everyone perished. It was just a minimal number of uh, uh, soldiers left. But still, on the side of the core was there was uh, uh, there was Kripacharya and Ashwatthama and uh, someone else. Someone else was uh, there. And uh, they were also the ones who, not Ashwatthama, but Kripacharya was one who was the reason why they started this quarrel. Is that when they, when they were there uh, in Prabhas and they drank some little wine and they got a little intoxicated, then the Yadavas started to argue that it was because of you that. Uh, this whole slaughter took place. You know, talking about Kripacharya, Kripacharya was still, still there, and uh, and then people started to take sides, and then they started to attack each other. That was by Krishna's arrangement. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Ashwatthama, he just couldn't. Uh, first, he couldn't accept how Drishtajumna had killed his father. And he couldn't digest a, a, a lot of things, uh, but you know, he was thinking, how is it that uh, we can just get some kind of vengeance? So at night, when everyone was sleeping uh, in the camp, and uh, the Pandavas had left by Krishna's arrangement, they weren't in the camp. They were looking around for Duryodhan, and nightfall had come, so they just camped out in Kurukshetra, a huge, huge place. Even if you go now, different pastime places are like tens of kilometers apart uh, on the Kurukshetra field. And so Ashwatthama, Kripacharya, and uh, the other two, there's four of them all together, they, uh, it's a long story, but I'll make it short, they camped out, and right outside the camp, they were sleeping. And Ashwatthama couldn't sleep. So they were under this tree, and there were crows in the tree at night. And uh, all of a sudden, as he was sitting there, a owl attacked and started in the dark. And birds can't fly at night, so crows couldn't go anywhere. Owls, owls do; they fly at night. Owls, bats, and uh, so he started they started massacring the crows started massacring all the crows I mean the owls started massacring all the crows and the crows were just 
falling around Ashwatthama. And by that he became he became inspired. We can do the same thing. They're all sleeping. They can't go anywhere. So we should just attack them while they're sleeping. Anyway, so he went in, they made a fire, they so that everyone had to flee without their weapons and so on, and then they uh, they just uh, slaughtered them while they didn't have any weapons or anything like that, uh, as they were trying to escape, flee out through the through the gates. But he became particularly empowered. Uh, Ashwatthama became empowered by Lord Shiva to do that. It was also Krishna's desire, and that's how Draupadi's five sons were also beheaded, as described in the Bhagavatam. So then, after that. Bhagavatam refers to him as Brahmabandhu. This is not this is not the real business of a uh, Brahmana. This big battle took place outside of Bhuvaneshwar and that was uh, that was just a war that Maharaja Shok uh, was fighting. And that was when he he saw all this unnecessary uh, slaughter and death. Uh, and that was when he became a Buddhist. And, but when he became a Buddhist, then all of India became a Buddhist for some period of time anyway. So government support, yes, when government support, then you can do so much. Because government has all the wealth, and they, and they tax, and they give a certain amount of their taxes. Uh, they give for uh, the support of Brahminical activities. But anyway, that is uh, the purpose of the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Uh, is to fulfill the purpose of the Brahmins, to educate people in spiritual values, to let them understand the very, very basics, which is really, really gone. People don't understand even the basics of life. They don't understand the simplest thing, that you're not this body, you're spirit soul. Um, yesterday I was looking at this little article on BBC, uh, that's where I get my news from, and there was this article on the Chaiwalas of India. And they were talking, and there was just pictures of uh, the people who make tea, because everyone in India is addicted to tea. And uh, so they just had pictures of the different uh, tea, tea merchants, you know, the people you see all the time standing on the corners making, making tea. And there was this one of this man in Varanasi, who had his right beside the Manikarnika Ghat. Manikarnika Ghat is where everyone in Varanasi gets cremated. And uh, so here was the Chaiwala, and uh, you know the caption was that he'd seen tens of thousands of cremations. And then the quote from him was that, you get used to it, after all, it's just a body. And the way it was quoted by the newspaper writer was that just see how cold-hearted the person is. <laughs> he just thinks it's just the body. <laughs> in other words, here's a chaiwala, here's someone who's on, the only thing he can do in life is make tea. They're not very educated. But still he knows that it's only a body. It's not, this is not, the person's not being cremated, the person doesn't die. And here's this big educated newspaper writer from England. <laughs> you can't even understand this very simple thing, that we're not this body. Um, and so, yes, we try to educate. Uh, and even though 
we don't get much support and even though 25% of society are not maintaining us <laughs> neither is the government uh, giving that much uh, support or recognition but still our duty is to do just that uh, and by that uh, therefore uh, change the fate of society which is the purpose of the Krishna consciousness movement to re-educate the world in what the purpose of human form of life is not about sense gratification everything doesn't end with this body uh, that there is a God there is a creator and the purpose of life is to go back to him it's what in England they have a very nice phrase called thankless task what's a thankless task in other words thankless task is when you work really hard to help somebody and they just kick you in return <laughs> so that's what you should expect in Krishna consciousness <laughs> at least for the time being maybe sometime in the future when they really recognize the value of what uh, what we're giving then then they'll stop kicking <laughs> and they'll start giving <laughs> not giving kicks but giving proper support Hare Krishna. Any uh, questions or comments? May I please ask, um, how can we, we balance I mean, doing, um, for example, public preaching activities with reading Shri Prabhupada's books and studying them? Can we say that it's more important to go and preach outside than reading Shri Prabhupada's books? Than reading Prabhupada's yes. books? Or how can we see this? I don't know why is it... Is it more important to eat than to drink? <laughs> why, why does it have to be a conflict? Uh, well, they're meant to be harmonized. We should, we should read and we should uh, preach. We need to do both. Uh, it doesn't, isn't it? It's either one or the other, or one's more important than the other is more important. They're, they're, they're all equally important. It's part of life. You can't really preach unless you study. But if you just study and you don't preach, then you won't realize what you're studying. Because Krishna, Krishna won't give that same type of inspiration from within. So both need to be there. I remember Prabhupada was in Montreal and we, we were sitting. It was close to Prabhupada was sitting here, I was sitting here. And I was trying to get Prabhupada to uh, to say that book distribution is the most important thing. <laughs> so I said, Prabhupada, what's more important, book distribution, Harinam, or Prasadam distribution? <laughs> and Prabhupada, Prabhupada just sort of looked at me and immediately knew what it was all about. <laughs> and he said, they're all important. I said, I know Prabhupada, I know they're all important, but which one is the most important? <laughs> and Prabhupada just repeated, he says, they're all important. <laughs> and I said, but out of the three, which one is the most important? And Prabhupada said, they're all most important. You <laughs> <laughs> couldn't trick Prabhupada into <laughs> Anything else? When there are uh, hierarchies like in 
the varnas or also in the uh, stages of uh, advancement in devotional service how how do we how do we not perceive as if inferior the from, from the hierarchy and, and why is why does it feel wrong when you see it like this? Um, yeah there is there is a hierarchy and uh, and uh, which which would mean that sort of different respect is uh, also offered uh, different respect, not that there's no respect, but simultaneously, even though there's a hierarchy, there's also an equality. So it's like uh, when you look at a car, you see the wheels and the wheels are integral to making the car move. But aside from that, an engine has 15,000 moving parts and you can't take any one of them out just because they're very small or they appear very insignificant, even though something's just a screw. You take out the screw, the wheels stop moving. So in Vedic culture, the training was that everybody's important. Uh, and everyone is has an integral role to play and if you remove them the Brahmins may be because they're the ones who are uh, giving spiritual guidance they're the ones who are considered to be the head of society but at the same time if the Vaishyas are not producing grains then what good is your head he's starving to death he's not, not going to be able to teach you so everyone's integral, everyone's important. So yes, we have a distinction, but simultaneously we have oneness as well. And if everything is based on respect, not discrimination, that if someone's good, that means someone else has to be bad. So that's why, for instance, our even vision of Krishna's different incarnations is that is perfect and more perfect and most perfect. So it's rather uh, gradations of perfection provided that everyone is actually doing their duty properly. So Vaishas are good and the Chatriyas are more good and the Brahmins are even more good but everybody's good provided that they're doing their work and properly according to the proper system and that they're participating in the overall uh, social structure. Um, because that's how things work. When Krishna descends, he comes uh, with uh, his transcendental body. Yes? He is right? his transcendental body. <laughs> uh, my question is, uh, what kind of body uh, he left behind when he was he, he left behind sort of a, a, a replica of his spiritual body he left behind a material body his universal form hmm? his universal form the, the shadow that you spoke about yeah it wasn't as big but it's <laughs> it, it's uh, 
it, uh, it has material ingredients. Uh, ultimately, for Krishna, material or spiritual doesn't really matter. He can be just a spiritual being material, as being spiritual. So, but, uh, but yes, he left behind a material body, and, uh, and that material body is what the Yadus then performed the fire, uh, put on a funeral pyre and so on, and Krishna was then, uh, and then the uh, Nabi Brahman, uh, the uh, part of the body that doesn't burn, uh, and the uh, belly button. That's what's inside of Jagannath in Puri. Got all the way from Dwarka to Puri. One of the things that's inside of Jagannath. But yes, Krishna, uh, it doesn't matter. Prabhupada says that. For in the uh, fifth canto, then you read about Kamadev in one of the Varshas who has a material body. It's Krishna but he appears in a material body. So it's both his energies, whether it's spiritual or material. And it doesn't, for him, it doesn't affect his consciousness in any way. Now, we should end. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.